Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hi, welcome back to the show, everyone. Michael, great to have you. Look forward to speaking with you. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be a great discussion today. We're talking a little bit offline. And I think before we you know, get into some of the topics and hear your W-2 prison break story, maybe give the listeners a little bit about you, you know, who you are and, and what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of get into how you got here. Yeah, who I am. It's such a large question, but it's all good. So who I am? Well, I've been investing, buying, I guess we'll talk about real estate first, but I'm a father of two kids. I'm married. My Both my kids are 12 and 13 years of age, respectively. We live in Southern Indiana. So we live right across the river from Louisville. I started investing in 2014. So I'm a real estate investor. I buy off-market real estate full-time. We do a lot of different exits with them, but whether that's flips, wholesale, creative, buy and hold, maybe even a few note and mortgages here or there. So that's what I do. Hang out with the family and buy real estate. Yeah. And I saw that your pool was open here not too long ago. So you're yeah, definitely hanging, right. out with, <laughs> hanging out with the family. So well, definitely let's talk about real estate too, because a lot of folks who are in real estate are, gonna list, are listening to the show and you're doing a lot of different things since 2014. There's a lot of different strategies that you have. I'll just ask you, what's your favorite investing strategy? The ones with limited to no money out of pocket. That's <laughs> whatever that looks like, right? Like, you know, buying creatively is by far my favorite. It's what has made me the most money. Nice. Buying it sub two, owner finance, those are the two ways that are my absolute favorite. Explain what that is to the listeners because not everybody knows sub two and that's a great strategy for sure. So just give us kind of high level as to what that involves. Yeah. Very kind of the basic level is we take ownership of real estate while leaving any liens or encumbrances on the property. So typically when you buy real estate, any previous liens have to be wiped away so that when you take ownership, those liens won't come back to bite you. And with us, we're buying it and leaving these liens, typically a mortgage, and we're paying that mortgage moving forward. That's the very basic version of what we do. Right. And what are some of the circumstances as to where, because I, I mean, I love the strategy. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to get a bank loan to pay off another bank loan. What are some of the reasons why the sellers that you work with would agree to that type of an arrangement, if you will, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah. So it really depends on their situation. You know, why do people do anything that they do, that they do? That's the real question. And honestly, it really comes down to do they believe that I'm going to do what I say that I'm going to do? And if they do and they're okay with it, then they do it. And typically it's usually the majority of my sub twos have been from pre-foreclosure, hmm. people in pre-foreclosure that are have a significant amount of money owed to the bank to bring the mortgage current. They don't have that ability, right? And that's when I can step in and say, okay, look, 
I'm going to take over the property. I'm going to own it and I'll pay that mortgage moving forward. It's that simple. So that's the typical way. Now I have bought property where the home was close to retail Mm. at the time. This was three years ago that the property is close to retail and we buy it sub two. They're not behind on their mortgage, right? So why did they do that? It was close to retail. They didn't want to go through the process of selling their home with a realtor. And you know they knew they might have to bring a little bit money to closing. They didn't want to do it. So mm-hmm. we step in, take ownership of the property, pay that mortgage moving forward. And they went on to another state. You know That's what they want to do. They want to stop taking care of the property and move out of state. You just explained really two really similar but different situations of why a seller you know would agree again number one they know like and trust you obviously you're doing what you say you're going to do but you're solving a specific problem i mean you're helping people out of pre-foreclosure in some cases you're likely helping them with a potential credit fiasco as well if they were to go through that and then not having to i think writing a check at the closing table to sell your house is just bananas and most people don't understand that there's another way to do it Michael just explained how to do that. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And, you know, everybody has equity right now. So it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around. But I'm telling you, there's a time and a place for it. And we're going to be coming back to it soon. And that that just happened to be a time that that worked for that person. So I agree about coming back to it soon. We could probably talk the rest of the time about that, but we're not. Um, (laughs) So just investing since 2014. Now let's go back because you were doing something before that. So let's hear the story. What were you doing prior to real estate? And then let's kind of dive into why you decided to get into real estate. Yeah, that could be a longer story. So my wife and I moved to Arizona right out of college Mm -hmm. and she started working and I was working on my master's and we had a family my brother had passed away. So we decided like Arizona wasn't it. We were coming back. And I think I was trying to get to grips with a lot of different things in my life and realizing that we also had this ton of student loan debt that you don't really think about while you're in college. Right. So, hmm. you know, I started getting into personal finance really at that time. And then I went right into my W2 job as well. So I'm working W2 and we're trying to pay off debt and, you know, student loan debt, consumer debt, basically. Right. Yeah. that we had gotten into going out there that didn't work out for you know personal reasons, but hey, it happens. And I started looking into ways of like, okay, there's got to be a better way. And I was so basically right out of college, all ready to go, get in my t- to my W-2. I was already kind of disillusioned of what a W-2 meant to me. I suddenly had this realization that it wasn't what I thought it would be. And that's when I really started down the path of, like I said, I started with personal finance and got to understand that really well. Then I found real estate. So it wasn't long after graduate. I mean, it was still pretty long. I mean, I spent eight years in W2, you know, kind of going through it before I decided to do something as well as my W2. And actually the first thing I did was I had vending machines. So I had a few vending machines at a couple locations and I'm like, okay, like that's got starting to wrap my mind around passive income, yep. right? That those machines were making me money when I wasn't there. And I didn't have to go there that often, which is probably sad because I picked the worst locations, right? I went to anybody that would take me and delivered vending machines to a company with 13 people. 
It's <laughs> like, how much vending machines like could they actually buy yeah. at the time, you know? But that was my foray into entrepreneurship. And I was like, okay, I'm making a little something. I'm starting to learn business. And, you know, that was in 12 and 13 going mm-hmm. into 14 when I got my real estate license. So I can go into that too, like at the point that I got my real estate license. Yeah, I'm interested. This is, I mean, the vending machine thing cracks me up, but again, it's a great way to earn passive income. I mean, there's people making a lot of money with vending machines. I'm sure you can, you know, talk about that or know people who are doing that, but you said- I didn't lose money on them. I didn't lose money on vending machines. It's like, yeah, I made money. And when I sold my few locations, Mm -hmm. I made money on that too. So I didn't lose money in, in vending machines. Yeah. You didn't have to be there. Like, you know, you'd have to work for dollars, which is what you were doing your W-2, which is you said something that really resonated with me was the W-2 wasn't what I expected it to be. So what did you expect it to be? And then what did it end up being? Well, I think it really wasn't what I expected to be because of debt, you know, student loan debt, especially like it just ate everything that we had, you know, and here we are with, you know, her and I with both degrees making good money, Mm -hmm. both in the medical field, and we didn't really have that much excess. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what got my mind like, okay, what do we got to do to not allow that to happen anymore? Like, how do we get out of that cycle? And that's why I said like personal finance is where it started, you know, paying down debt. And that was just too slow for me. Yeah. Okay. So you had a mindset shift in terms of like, I would assume that you just never saw a way out of the mountain of debt that you had with student loans and personal debt staying in your W-2. Not fast enough, at least. I mean, there's obviously a calculation to it, right? And But life happens also in between that. So that calculations, you know, it's not always perfect. So I, I saw that. I'm like, okay. And by that time, I started to think about real estate of what that meant, what kind of passive income that could provide. I'm like, all right, like, and I got into real estate. I had never read like Rich Dad Poor Dad, anything like that. Like I just hopped in and was like, okay, like let's just go try it. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, first thing I did was got my license in 2014. That's what I did. Now I knew that investing is what I wanted to do, but I was like, all right, like I know a couple of realtors, they're awesome. I'll join their brokerage and just learn the ropes. But they allowed me to manage property right off the bat. So in my first year, I was managing rental property. And that really, like that really taught me how to do what I do. Like getting into the thick of managing property for other Mm -hmm. people was a way that was like, okay, you know, I can do this. And I found that I had a knack for finding good tenants. So that was kind of my first foray into it. It It's like, okay, if I can find good tenants and they stick around, they don't damage the property. This is easy. (laughs) little that I know, right? Like this is easy, but you know, I had good properties to manage at the time. It wasn't like I had, you know, the worst properties, but I was able to tackle it and I grew that slowly and they didn't take any commission from it. So my brokers didn't care. They're like, we'll help you collect the rent. They were so awesome. Literally these two, the primary brokers there, one of them has been my board president of our central Indiana brokerage of all of realtors. She was the president. So I had great, great learning experiences from them. Honestly, though, and I've said this before, having said that, they didn't really know investing, right? Yeah. Fantastic realtors had a concept of what investing is, but not in the way that I've come to know it now. You know? Right. Most people don't know it the way you know it now. So um, <laughs> well, were, you doing you this, were you doing this alongside the W-2? 
Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, that, no, no, that's okay. The, yeah. Yeah. I was. Look, so I was an athletic trainer. Okay. So I was in sports medicine. So I wouldn't go to the school until 1 32 o'clock. And by that time, like for the first few years of doing that, I had kids. So it was great. I got to stay home with the kids. They would go to daycare for a short time and my wife would pick them up. Mm. It was great. It worked out perfect. You know, so as I started getting into real estate, my kids started going to school full time. It's like now I was twiddling my thumbs during the mornings. And there's only so many dishes you can wash before you're like, all right, like we got to do something else. And, you know, that was part of it too, is, yeah. you know, kind of using my time in a way that could make us money. So that's when I was like, okay, yeah. So from 14 to 16, I was doing my W 2 job and investing. Now, investing's loosely at that point. Like I finally bought my first property in 15, but I was okay. managing property and doing all the things that investors do. So this is great. I mean, you're doing both. It sounded like you, I mean, you could have done a lot with that free time. I mean, you, you could have, you know, went on a Netflix marathon, but you decided, right. to, you decided to do something with that time. Because again, you had this strong reason of, you know, the stuff of tackling the debt and getting to a certain yep. place in your life that you wanted to be in, which I'm assuming is, you know, freedom. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was the goal that at least, I mean, at least to get some debt freedom from commercial or, mm-hmm. you know, consumer loan debt, student loan debt. That was the plan. And I I honestly wasn't very good at it because what I found is I would hoard all of the real estate income to then buy real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So it didn't have the effect that I thought because I was kind of obsessed with trying to hold it and use it towards real estate, right? Yep. I told you this before, but I'll tell you again, like, you know, I think I left my W-2 job a little too early. You know, I left it after two years. I was in two years of real estate, part-time, working in the mornings, some in the evenings, definitely on the weekends. Mm-hmm. When I wasn't at the athletic training job, I was doing real estate. And I kept trying to roll that into something else <laughs> and probably didn't utilize the capital the way I should have and actually got out of consumer debt faster. So is that why when you say you left the job too soon, is that the reason that you didn't quite get to where you wanted to go? Part of it. I think that a couple of things there, you know, one of the things I wish I would have utilized probably sooner was my W-2 income from an investor's perspective, especially at the time, right? We're talking 2014, where we're still had low prices coming off the 2008 housing crash. Like we bought our house, my wife and I bought our house in late 2007, early 2008. So got a good deal, you know, and looking at the houses that we had an opportunity to buy and really leverage our W-2 income, we never really did that. Now it was before I found creative too, right? Yeah. So knowing then what I know now, like it'd be a different ball game altogether. I mean, I would be cleaning up like with these houses. Yeah. But, you know, I wish I would have leveraged that W-2 early with her and bought more real estate early on. Got it. So keeping the W-2 to put, to get bank debt so you could buy these properties, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that makes total sense. You lose that W-2, you just don't look good on paper, unfortunately. No, you don't. It's, you know, it's something we still fight. I've been, you know, working for myself since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you real quick how that, so I went to my wife, I think in December. So the school year, that's really the summers. We have a lot of flexibility as athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. So in December, I was like, my property management company was starting to hop. I was 
up to almost 50 properties under management just by myself, right? So I'm doing that plus my full-time job, managing 50 units and having my full-time job. So it was going well. I was like, I really think I can turn this into something and get rid of my W-2. And I went to her and I was like, hey, here's what I think. You know, she's been nothing but supportive. Like, she was like, okay, that's what you, like, you think we can do it? Like, go do it. So come that summer, I took advantage of the job and really waited to the last minute. Like I didn't quit my W-2 job to the start of the school year yeah. of that 2016 year and went full-time in real estate. That's awesome. Was there any fear around that decision? It, it sounded like you're pretty definitive, but I mean, did you have any hesitation? Did you ever doubt yourself? I mean, talk about that if you could. Yeah. I have moments in my life where I'm a ready fire aim person. Although that's not generally what I do. Suddenly I feel strongly about something. I'll just do it. Come right or wrong. Like I'm okay with failing at it, I guess, is what I felt like. I could always go get another athletic training job. This is kind of how I felt, you know? Yeah. And that's just what was my mindset. Like I could always get another job. I could always get another job. You know, they need athletic trainers. I could go do it. But, you know, I think it did put pressure on us though, for sure. Like, I think I was a little dissolution like that. Like when I went full time and those paychecks stopped, you know, I did have pressure to really start to perform. And honestly, when you look at it, it sounds good having 50 properties under management, but it's really not that much, especially as a property manager. That's when I really started to do other things as well. I opened my own brokerage in real estate and started managing more properties And I started hunting off-market real estate. So I honestly, I haven't said that. I started in 2015 hunting off-market real estate, but then I really started to focus on it then. On it then. Okay. So the other thing too that you mentioned was you had the support of your wife, which is awesome. Did you always, Mm -hmm. again, not to get personal here, but did you always know that? Did you always know it? Because I think a lot of, we're two guys here talking. So I think a lot of the times, a lot of us men assume that maybe we won't have the support of our wives and we won't yeah. ever broach that discussion, right? That this is something I want to do. So, I mean, did you always have her support or was it, did you ever have those feelings about whether or not she would accept your dream? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, maybe a little bit both ways. I always knew she would support. I knew that part, right? Yeah. But I also didn't think about how she would recommend it got hard, right? Like as we get to the point that it gets tough of how, that person would react. And look, we didn't have easy days at times when I'm not like, you know, if I'm trying to create something and grow something and putting the money back in, I still wasn't good at bringing it home, you know, and that was the challenge. Like I was always thinking about how do we grow it? How do we put it back in? I don't really need that much. And my family doesn't really ask for much, but still I have a family to support as well. You know, she had a good income, but we really needed both of our income. And I was trying to grow at the same time. So we did have some rough times, but she never said, hey, you should go get a job ever. Not once. She has never said that at any point in anything that we've done. So, you know, I would say that I feel lucky to have her and the support that she's given me for sure. And I know that that may not be the case everywhere. But having said that, it hasn't been easy every step of the way. Yeah, that's great. I mean, great that you have the support of your wife. That was huge for me, huge for me, because I did a lot of projecting onto that right. situation before I even said, hey, I want to do this real estate thing. And it's not a thing, it's a business, right? But <laughs> And once I 
you know, I've been in sales for, as you know, for a long time prior to doing this. And I always say, this is my best sales pitch ever was when I had my wife in the office and I had the whiteboard of how we were going to live and pay for everything. And she was down for sure. So you need that support definitely. And then you mentioned that it wasn't always easy. So you leave the job, you're doing this full time now. I'm sure there's a sense of relief there. Feel free to talk about that. But it's not like it got any easier for you. You still had to, you were building something else. Yeah. And at the same time, part of my W-2 job was working at night. I mean, from you know 1 to 10 p.m. for events, you know, high school mm-hmm. basketball games, football games, Friday night, Saturday morning, back at the field, you know, I had a thought, oh, you know, now I'll be able to control my hours working in real estate. I'll be able to control, you know, what I'm doing. And that is a misnomer as well. If you think you're going to hop into entrepreneurship and then suddenly you have free time, you had another thing coming to you. Right. So, you know, that was another part. And I completely forgot your question there, but I was just thinking like, you know, that was another challenge that we had kind of moving into the entrepreneur space. Yeah. No, you answered it. It was just like that. Was it any different? It sounds like it was a little bit more more challenging because you're building something. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's going to be one way. You hope it's going to be one way, but you don't know, as the old adage, like you don't know what you don't know. And I had to learn the hard way. That's right. And that's learning, right? Learning is learning. So, all right, let me ask you a couple of questions about, you know, things that you do to, because being a business owner, changing careers even. Forget about being a business owner. If you're just changing careers, there's a lot of mindset stuff that revolves around that because I think a lot of folks feel like stuck in their position. Like for instance, yeah. you, you maybe you felt stuck. Like I felt stuck in my job for a long time because I created this lifestyle right. associated with my job. And I said, well, if I ever leave this job, I'm never going to make enough money. No one's going to pay me this much money. And I just stayed in it. I stayed on a treadmill for years and years and years because I just, I had created this lifestyle and mismanaged it. Right. Right. So where I'm going with this is, you know, what is the mindset for you around dealing with some of these challenges? Maybe you have a bad month, like you said, or, you know, you had some struggles. I mean, how do you handle that? Cause I think a lot of people might just go back and say, well, I'm just going to go back and be an athletic trainer. Yeah. I think subconsciously, it was never an option for me to go back. I don't know what that is about me, but it was never an option. Here's why. Because my wife was not very happy about this, actually. You have to have credits that you do yearly, you know, two to three times a year. You have to give your license. I did nothing. And I let my license lapse. And getting your license back in athletic trainer is like extremely hard. So I didn't see that ever as an option, probably, you know, once again, a little blindly, but my mindset was that that's not what I'm going to do anymore. I had, and I really started to change my mindset as an entrepreneur in that 15 and 16 year. When I went real estate, when I got my license, going all the way back to my license, I knew something had to change. That's what I knew. And I know that what I was doing wasn't it. It wasn't working. So I had to try something different. And as I got a taste of it, I knew I couldn't go back because there is a little bit of freedom in it, even though it's tough. So that freedom felt good. And I thought, okay, I can do this. Why would I? Hmm. Now, my business has taken iterations since then. And I've really tried to adapt it to be more home friendly. 
which we, I mean, lease options are a great way to talk about, you know, being home friendly because you can do less of them. Right. And that's how I've kind of, I've changed the business to try to be more home friendly. But that mentality for me was just, I don't know if it was anything that I did or anything I read, maybe a little bit in what I read and what I listened to, Mm -hmm. but I knew from the get go, I just couldn't go back. Right. Right or wrong. Even though I said, I know I could go back. It was really nothing I ever really considered. Right. And that's, and you burned the ships, your version of burning the I ships. Did. You, let, you let the athletic license. I let lapse. the license. Yes. Yeah. So right or wrong. Uh, and maybe even subconsciously, like I'm not going to do it. And now it's permanent. Yeah. You mentioned two things I'd like you to expand on. You know, eventually you found some freedom. So maybe give a couple of examples of what being an entrepreneur can provide, you know, if you stick with it and, and don't go back and, you know, get your athletic license renewed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you mentioned something about home life. Are you referring to working from home and being with your yeah. family more? Yeah. 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 So yeah. definitely talk about that because I think a lot of us want that. Yeah. Well, as far as like what real estate has provided me and, and allowed me to do, you know, even then, like when you're looking at when I went full time in 16, all the really into the first part of COVID, which is late 19, early 20, right? It was still pretty tough. I'd sold my property management company in 18. I was getting pulled like from both sides as the, you know, the investors and the tenants pulling me in both sides. And I also found creative real estate in 18. I did my first subject to deal then. And that really changed how I think about real estate. I'm like, wait a second, I can buy a property and leave the mortgage on it and be able to get to a lot of you know, future equity, I was hooked after that. I'm like, okay, how do I find more of those? And that's when it really changed for me. Now, it was still tough, like I said, all the way up through 19, but we started to get traction and I started to buy more and more subject to properties. In between 18 and 20, I bought 10 subject to properties, you know, and was like, okay, we did a couple of flips on them. I made my first, you know, really large amount of money. And I was like, okay, you know, Having chunks is what I like, you know, even if it, and I still wasn't even into the cash flow yet, right? Yeah. Like, I like the large chunk. And then we come home and pay off a lot of stuff. I'm like, that's the key. That's what I want to do. And I really started to manage my time more as well. I was working from home. I got to see the kids come home, and that was great. And knowing that I could still make large chunks of money and be at home, I was like, all right, do I really, how big do I want my company to be? That's when I started to think about what my view, because really from then, from 14 all the way up to 19, I was just learning and grinding. Mm. I didn't really have a goal. You know, it was like, okay, I want to make money. That I knew. I knew I could create something. I did that, but I didn't have a true goal. And I think that's what made me sell my property management company as well. Yeah. Is really having a clarity of where I want to be and how I want my life to look. Because I went on this trajectory of entrepreneurial or die. And I was like, okay, that might be true and that might be good, but I contain that into the life that I want to create. Right. And what is the life that you want to create? Have you created it? Are you living it now? Are you still a little bit? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I'm still getting there. Like we're, you know, but I also, I like being here at the house Mm. and you know, I can still go out and look at real estate, but I've got, you know, I've created a team to do that. I don't have to go look at real estate anymore. 
you know, we can go jump in the pool with the kids at five o'clock. I can be done and, you know, still have the benefits of being an entrepreneur. It might slow me down in my growth a little bit, but I kind of like the style that I've created. I'm also creating it. It can still grow maybe a little slower, but it can still grow while I'm working from time I drop the kid, I get to drop off the kids at school. Right. And I'm here when they hop off the bus and I work for an hour when they get home and then I'm done. Most nights, you know, there's still things like we're not perfect. You know, there's still emergencies or I have, I'm hot on this lead, but yeah. But you get to make that decision. You don't have to go, you don't have to pick the phone up and be like, Hey boss, can I do this? Can I go pick my kid up? You know, that's one of the beautiful things about being a business owner is that, yeah, I remember the first time I went on vacation, I didn't have to put in a time request. I mean, I got them anyways, but it was just cool not to have to ask, right? Like we're just, we're going to go do this. Yeah. I don't have to ask anybody. So there's something very empowering about that. You know, even if maybe you're not lighting it up right away, it's just kind of cool to be able to make those decisions on your terms, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go during spring break or whatever it is, you know, you don't don't have, you can choose the time and place. Totally. I was just thinking about vacation and how rough my actually first couple of vacations were as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. owning a property management company because I hadn't set a way that I could step away from it. So I actually struggled, you know, on my first few vacations and my wife could tell you, like I took my laptop, I was sitting there on the computer at times I was on the phone and I still probably answer my phone too much now, but I just like to, you know, mostly it's with other investors chatting up about real estate. Right. But yeah, it was tough. The first few vacations, it, it took me a while to actually relax on a vacation. But that ultimately led you to build the system. Yeah. So that you could step away now and, and it's just something you got to learn, right? which is why you've created the lifestyle you've created now. You can hang with the kids, go in the pools because you got other people doing that. And that's what building the business is about. So don't, you know, I think the lesson that we're, you're trying to give here is you're a W2 employee. Don't become one in your business. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to be the owner. Yep. You got to be an owner. And I found that I also don't like being the top dog all the time. Like I got to have partners in it as well. So I brought in people that do things that I don't and that I'm happy with splitting the money with yeah. so that I don't have to do it. It doesn't always have to be me managing all the people that can do it. I can bring on real professionals that want an ownership piece in it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's, you don't have to have it all. A part of a deal is better than none of it, right? Yeah. I can manage my half and I'm happy with that. I just want to go back to sub two for a little bit, because again, I still don't think everyone's going to understand this. I mean, if you, you said you did 10 in two years, is that right? You got 10 in two years. It sounds like you flipped a couple of them or a handful of them, which is an exit strategy. But for the listeners to understand, if you pick up 10 of these in a couple of years, you own these houses, right? This is like lifetime cash flow on a monthly basis. And depending on what your exit strategy is, like you own the house and someone else is in there. If you're renting it or doing a lease option or, you know, Airbnb, I don't know what all your strategies are. I mean, you're getting that cash flow month over month and your management of said property is likely very limited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I mean, that was a different, I kind of break down my journey here in the three separate categories, the early in the middle, and then now where I'm at today. So that's kind of the middle section. I still didn't do it perfect. I think there's one thing that you can learn from me is that I've taken imperfect action all along the way, but I took action. That's one of the things that I've always done is just imperfect action. 
And I had a partner then with the first 10 sub twos, I found all the deals. I contracted all the deals. I determined you know, their values and kind of, we probably shouldn't have exited a few of them. Like if I'm looking back, even then the properties that we flipped, if we would just kept, would be, you know, it'd just be astronomical kind of what we would have made comparatively. Yeah. And so that also changed my mindset of what I want to do with them. And the lease option is kind of a hybrid of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, buying those properties sub two, I ended up having to partner with those. And when, you know, we decided to separate, I gave him all the properties and took a cash buyout. Got it. So it wasn't great in the end. Like we made good money and I made good money and I got, you know, I got to walk away with good money. But ultimately, I didn't control those properties again. And that's okay. That wasn't going to happen again to me. And that's really I've kind of lined up where I am today is, you know, I'm going to partner with the right people are going to be slow. I'm going to control all the real estate that I buy. That's the one thing I won't do is, you know, I'm going to be the controlling factor of it, or at least have an understanding of what the exit will be with whoever I partner with. So, yeah. I love it. I also wrote down what you said, which I think is an incredible quote for this show, imperfect action all along the way, but you took action, right? Like it doesn't, I think a lot of us, and I was like this for decades thinking that I just needed to know it all and be perfect in whatever I was attempting to do. And you don't like, you know, you and me are not really much different than the folks who are listening who want, sure. to get out of the, who want to get out of their job, except that we <laughs> we decide and we committed and, and we just do something every day. Like we take some type of action on a daily basis. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah. And I sometimes fail at that. <laughs> like <laughs> like that, I fail at that too. And whatever, like that's part of the deal. I'm not going to feel as motivated as I want to be every single day. And that's probably part of the problem we're working from home. But you know, if I ever feel that way, I go do something physical, whether that's workout or I get into cleaning the house. Like I got to do something right. to get my mind, try to like get my lifestyle back in balance for whatever it is. And usually it's temporary and we're back at it the next day, yeah. but it's okay to, you know, I've set that up. I can have a bad day. That's great that you recognize that and you have, you know, you acknowledge it and then you have a system to deal with it, you know, and it's right. okay. It's okay that we're not, you know, lighting it up every single day. You know, right. it's, we don't have to, we get, even business owners get burned out you gotta, you gotta watch that. You know, I see a bunch of books on your shelf there. So I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you maybe what's one of your go-to that you would give someone, you know, that maybe was looking to get in real estate or, you know, what's your favorite? I'm going to look it up real quick. Cause I really want to, so, yeah, yeah, you know, it. I didn't read Robert, like I said, I've said this before, but I didn't read Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor rich dad, dad poor dad. I didn't no. at first. I did later on, but that's not the one that really got me excited. I actually read one of his eBooks mm-hmm. and it changed the way I looked at money. And honestly, I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, now I'm intrigued. I know, I put, right? I put you on the spot and I don't remember I gotta look it up. an eBook. Oh, you can cut all this, me looking it up out. But, <laughs> no, no, this is, um, is going to stay in. Yeah. I'll <laughs> have <laughs> to find it and you can put it on the list later, but it talked about what money is and where it comes from. We really talked about the process of creating and that changed the way I looked at money, you know, as a tool rather than something I needed to collect. That's the one that I really like. You know, I did a lot of podcasts early on. We have books I've up here. I've got Clint Coons asset protection, mm. which got me thinking about trust and, yep. you know, being anonymous on our properties that we own. I got this book here with Adam Gant that I've started called Think Again. 
Uh, and that's been that. good. So you do. Yeah. I, I haven't read it, but I have it. It's, yeah. It's, on, it's, it's on. not the easiest read. He is a psychologist for Wharton. So it's not the easiest read, but great thoughts in there about getting trapped into, you know, how we think and be able to come out of those thought patterns. But yeah, when I get that, I'll, I'll email it to you and, you know, you can add this to the list and put it on the Everybody is going to be listening to this, waiting for bated breath. So go with bated. They can look so right in the, the comments yeah, right just now. Just go to the show notes and they'll be in there. So yep. yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. So the last thing I'm going to ask you before we start to wrap up here is, do you do anything? It's okay if you don't. Do you do anything on a daily basis that maybe, whether it's a routine or some type of ritual that maybe sets you up, puts you in the right frame of mind to win the day? Yeah, I would say I really take my time in the mornings. You know, I do have a routine of taking the kids to school. I'm losing part of my hair. So I go and I go in the shower and I shave my head, shave my, shave my face. And I kind of take my time in the mornings so that I feel good before I come up to the office and get started. So that's, you know, and probably, you know, maybe lose a couple hours in the morning, but I like the process of it. I don't take the kids to school till 9am and I come home and get some breakfast and take a minute for myself. And then I'm ready to tackle the day. So self-care is super important. Had you done that when you were working at the W-2. Did you spend a lot of time uh, on that? No, no, not yeah. really. I didn't have that. I mean, the W-2 was the routine. Right, right. Oh, know? that's so great. You're dropping some good bombs on yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, W-2 was the routine. It's also the risk, in my opinion, but you know, and most people don't realize that because you're expendable, right? Right. At any given moment. I mean, I worked for the same company for 17 years. I survived three rounds of layoffs. And every time I said, this is it, this is it, you know, but they don't, when they start laying off salespeople, like the company's going out of business. So, but right. I made it through all of them, but that was when I started to realize like, man, I easily could have been that person that got laid off. It was a roll of the dice every time, right? It was. And it just made me even more, you know, that kind of drove me even further. Like, Hey, if this happens, I'm out, I'm out of luck. So I got to figure something else out. And it took a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I ultimately got there, but that's a great quote. So Michael, really appreciate you being on. Before we wrap up, I just, you know, if there's any contact information you want to leave, website, whatever, and then, you know, any parting thoughts that you have, any advice to the listeners that I haven't, you know, you haven't had an opportunity to, to give yet. Yeah. I don't really find myself as the gem dropper, but you know, as far as the advice is just, like I said, I really do believe in imperfect action. So I'd say start there, take action, you know, fail a little bit, be okay to it's okay to fail a bunch of times because that has definitely happened to me. And if people would reach out to me, probably the easiest way is my Instagram. It's ML Thompson II. Nice. That's it. ML Thompson II. ML Thompson II. We will leave that. I'm on. What's the II? It's the second. I was the born second. second. Yeah. The second. Michael Thompson the second. All right. Yeah, we'll, that's right. We'll, we'll definitely leave that in there. And then. Yeah. Let's, you know, take action. You don't have to chop the whole tree down day one, folks. You can just do a little bit at a time, but you got to get started and it's okay. As long as you don't, I remember I read a quote somewhere. I was listening, I think it was on a podcast where the guy said, you can't fail if you don't quit. Yeah. You only fail if you quit. So it's okay to make mistakes and you're going to, and that's how you learn. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. All right, buddy. Appreciate you being on and you dropped a ton of value here. I love all your quotes and it was great to be with you. Everyone make it a great day. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. 
definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 prison break. Here's to you busting out.